Welcome back to the Making the Madness College Basketball Podcast. I'm Jonathan Warner here with Sean, and we just had best weekend of college basketball to this date. So many games. Gonzaga played Iowa. Gonzaga won against Iowa. Rutgers is back. Michigan State is not back. Northwestern's back. Minnesota's back. Florida State's undefeated. No more. Just a wild, wild weekend. And UConn's return to the Big East is like eighth on our list of things we're going to talk about. That's how crazy this weekend was. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we got the marquee matchup of the year between Iowa and Gonzaga. That lived up to the hype. Gonzaga showed how good they are, even with the 17-day layoff in between games. Then, like you said, UConn's return to the Big East for the first time in, what, seven years, I believe? Six years? Yeah, I think 2013. And then, you know, we just got to see some nice upsets with Northwestern going or staying home and defeating uh, Michigan State. And then most recently, like half an hour ago, Minnesota, I, I would consider it a small upset. They were underdogs at home against St. Louis. They were able to beat them by double digits. So Yeah. And Adam Kunkel with the shot of the weekend. That too. Turning floater buzzer beater to uh, knock off Marquette. Just fantastic weekend uh, games. And we probably won't even get to all the games you might want to discuss. But the, the show's loaded. Uh, we're going to start off, uh, I guess, Gonzaga beats Iowa. Uh, we did a full-on recap video on YouTube. Check that out for more I guess if you want, but pretty yeah, much subscribe. the takeaways, subscribe there as well. But pretty much the takeaways I think I had from that is Jalen Suggs, just a superstar. Uh, no if ands, buts about that. He's he's fantastic. Uh, Gonzaga, I think, did pretty much what we thought. They were the more athletic, uh, more composed team, and they beat Iowa, who coming into the year, had defensive concerns. Uh, I would play a decent game, but Gonzaga was just better. Yeah, I agree. Like I said, like we both said on YouTube, you don't re- when you're Gonzaga, when you have so many pieces, you, every game it might be a different guy. It could be Drew Timmy that scores 31 day. It could be Kisper. It could be Suggs, maybe Ayayi. But I didn't mention this on YouTube, and it was shocking to me when I looked back yesterday and saw it. Joel Ayayi had 18 rebounds in that game. 18. Yeah, that, that is that's crazy. big. For a guy who is, you know, uh, he could play the one through three, really, but he's playing the three on this team, or the two on this team at times, and the three at other times when they go with the smaller lineup. But that's crazy when you have a guy like that. He's a super glue guy. Like, the, he does more than most glue guys will, but on this team, he's a glue guy, and he'd be a star on most teams. It's pretty crazy to see that for him. But overall, Gonzaga's the best team in the country. Uh, we've known this. We've been saying this for months. It's no surprise. Iowa, they rank 80th in Kempom defensively now. Well, that's, you know, good, I guess, in the grand scheme of things compared to the other 328 teams that have played a game so far. It's not terrible. It's not Chicago State level. It's bad for a team that should be in contention for the Big Ten, which is why I don't think they'll win the Big Ten. I don't think they'll make a Final Four. 
I think they could be upset early in the tournament because if their offense has an off night, they're going to lose. Yeah. And their offense in this game had like a four minute stretch where they, I think scored one field goal in the first half and they went from like down three to down 15 in a hurry. And look, you're not going to play Gonzaga every night, but if you do that too consistently, you're going to lose games. So that that's kind of the concern we've had with Iowa pretty much throughout the off season uh, continues into this. And uh, if you do that at Rutgers at the rack, can't get beat Iowa. Can't do that. No, not at all. And Iowa has a tough test. I mean, we'll probably end up previewing this on uh, YouTube in the next week on Christmas Day. They go to Minnesota and play a Minnesota team that just knocked off a very talented St. Louis team. Uh, I That could be a dangerous game for Iowa. Yeah. Uh, next thing we'll get into, uh, the CBS Sports Classic. Uh, from the headlines perspective, Kentucky sucks. Uh, they're yeah, they're terrible. a disaster. Uh, John Calipari shows up with, like, a leather jacket. It, it, I'm just – I'm looking at this photo on Twitter, and it literally looks like – you know, it looks like someone put him in a cardboard cutout because it – like, his – I don't know if it's, like, the Zoom camera or anything like that, but it just – it doesn't look great. Yeah, Nor does I don't... Kentucky. I don't know what he was going for, but I have more concerns about Kentucky than just the play on the court. Obviously, that wasn't good. The refs were calling everything. This isn't why they lost, but it was a piece to it. But it was on both sides. They were calling everything. Like, it would barely be a touch. It was a foul. Lance Ware fouled out. Olivier Saar fouled out. Isaiah Jackson fouled out. I mean, it was bad there. But there was a few concerning things that reported, you know. I didn't see this live. But uh, Cameron Fletcher, freshman, top 50 recruit, he was angry. I read that he was crying. I don't know if that's true. Maybe it was more like a metaphorical crying than a literal crying. But uh, <clears throat> he was complaining on the sideline and left the court during the game and just walked off the court and went in the locker room because he wasn't playing. And then after the game, no player wanted to do a post-game press conference and they, and Keon Brooks, who hasn't played this year, decided to do the press conference. That shows, I'm not trying to say lack of maturity, but it might show a lack of maturity from these guys that when they're one in five, they don't want to answer questions. Yeah, that's not ideal. Not that I would want to answer questions at one in five, but uh, certainly it's not a great look if you're just looking at the outside dev players not willing to answer questions about what's going on, I think it kind of just shows, I think, maybe a little bit of leadership on Keon Brooks's part for answering yeah, the questions. That's but big. Yeah. That's the rest of the team just does. Like, you could have even sent walk ons in, I guess. Exactly. You're right. I, just and just have someone speak for the team besides Coach Cal. Yeah, and a guy that hasn't played this season. I mean, Keon Brooks has played as much this season as, like, Devin Booker has played this much this season for Kentucky. In other words, neither of them have played for Kentucky this season. So you might as well have just sent one of your former players up there to talk. I mean, that just does nothing. The team needs to figure that part out. 
And one thing I've thought about, we saw this a lot in college football with potential draft prospects, a lot of them. They opted out once their team was terrible. I wonder if B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark, Isaiah Jackson, if this is something they're thinking about. Yeah. I, I don't know if they'll opt out because maybe they do. I It's hard to say, I guess, but. I mean, I they'll would, be first-round picks regardless. Yeah. I, I would tend to think they would probably want to improve their draft stock a little bit, but. But are they right now? Like, is, has B.J. Boston improved his stock at all this year? Well, I think the thing is, he if he didn't play at all in college basketball, he probably would have gone top 10. He might still go top 10, but, like, I don't know if he would. I'd probably back in lottery or some someplace like that. I think he's overall hurt his draft stock, so maybe he's still trying to help it get back to where it was. Just... Yeah, like I mean, the only I uh, the last team who went one in five and made the tournament was Texas like 21 years ago. So the odds of that I wasn't even born. So and uh, I don't know based on when the month was, year may may or may not have been born. But like that's how long ago that was. Uh, it would be like like historically crazy if Kentucky ended up making the tournament. But I wouldn't be surprised if nobody opts out if they won the SEC championship because they might they won't be an at-large team probably, doubtful, but I could see a world where they win the SEC tournament. Yeah, I think that's probably their only chance at getting an at-large because I don't see this thing turn around fast enough for them to get back over like 500. So I'd say the SEC tournament's probably their best chance. And they have a real shot because I just don't think the SEC is very good. So that's part of it. Yeah. Uh, moving on, the second game, Ohio State. We were calling them frauds. Uh, now, granted, we were calling them frauds. <laughs> Seth Towns played. He Shots. played. Now, he only played two minutes. So. Hey, he played more than he's played in the last three years. So. E.J. Lydell played, but we were calling Ohio State fraud, saying UCLA is going to win this game uh, and cover the spread. And Ohio State, they they shut they shut us up, down. Uh, so good job, Ohio State. Way to shut us down. Yeah, Ohio State looked pretty good. Uh, I still think UCLA is a really good team. It was a tough game. They both played hard. Both played well at times. But yeah, I was E.J. Liddell was really good. Justice Suing was really good. A guy that's familiar with playing against UCLA when he was over at Cal. And Dwayne Washington hit a couple threes. Justin Arns is a sharp shooter, much better than his brother Kyle ever was. And Ohio State, obviously going to be a tournament team. They could be, uh, I don't think there'll be much danger in the NCAA tournament, but they'll make it. Yeah. I think the thing is, like, Chris Holtman's just a really good coach that, like, he doesn't have like any players that you're like oh watch out for this player but he he's like he has a decent group of players they play hard they defend well and uh he draw he's a good schemer so i think part of that is just chris holtman being a really good coach but certainly ohio state's not a bad team 
No, not at all. And C.J. Walker is, like, shooting 98% from the foul line this season. That is uh, pretty unbelievable. I think he's, like, 29 for 30 or something crazy. That is, uh, I mean, I guess it's not all that important at the end of the day, but it's something to talk about, I guess. It's pretty important. End of games. Make the free throws. Don't want to pull an R.J. Cole. No, but he took a lot of ownership for that, so... Good, a lot of respect there. All right, moving forward. Uh, today, Rutgers is back. 91-88, to 88, final from the trapezoid of tear. Rutgers is back. Ron Harper Jr., a legitimate National Player of the Year candidate. Uh, he went 5 of 8 from 3. Jacob Young, superstar. Montez Mathis threw in 15 as well. Rutgers is back. What do you have to say? Rutgers is just really good. They are a potential Big Ten championship level team. I like a lot of what they have. They're a really talented team. A lot of uh, senior leadership, junior leadership. Miles Johnson is the true leader of that team, the real vocal leader, I feel like. Although Geo Baker is, too. I feel like Miles Johnson is the most respected guy there. Just He just seems like a super cool dude. He's doing a lot of cool off-the-court stuff, too. And, but Ron Harper Jr., he's became a superstar in college basketball. 28 points, like you said, hit five threes. And this season, before this game, he was averaging 23 a game while shooting 50% from three. So, obviously, those uh, statistics will go up. Then you have Montez Mathis with 15. Jacob Young has become the best guard on this team, I would say. Probably, he's been better than Geo Baker, even though Geo's only played a few games. He's overtaking uh, Geo Baker in the pecking order, I feel like. Young had 20, 24 in this game, four assists, eight for 15. He has a beautiful floater. He just has a good feel for the game. Rutgers is really dangerous. They can be anybody in the country. Yeah, uh, I feel the same way. And, like, I think the thing about Baker that I think is impressive, it and Miles Johnson, too, they've let kind of uh, Jacob Young and Clifford Morey uh, both of those players have moved into the starting rotation. Yet, like, they're coming in, they're playing their roles, they're saying, I want to win, I want to play team basketball, I want to win the games. Uh, if And, like, Geo Baker, he's coming into the season regarded best player on Rutgers. And for your team, I guess, team leader to say, yeah, I'm fine being you know, the third or fourth option, if that means my team can have a historically great season, I'm willing to do that. And I think that's that says a lot about Geo Baker. Uh, Miles Johnson as well take both those players coming off the bench now, uh, just saying, I want to win and do whatever it takes. If it's me coming off the bench that and that's what it takes, I'll do that role. And both those players, I think, that type of leadership has been important for the team. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of leadership on this team. They're super well coached. They're a good defensive team. They're a good offensive team. And Illinois made a few runs. They were down 13 at one point. Illinois was. And then they brought it all the way to four. Then Ron Harper Jr. hit to three. And it was just about a wrap from there. Yeah. But certainly an impressive performance for Rutgers. Uh, they've been just overall extremely impressive this season and they they pick up another 
really big win, uh, which will move them to the one seed in my uh, bracketology because Michigan State, who was the one seed, lost to Northwestern. Kevin Sweeney is uh, rejoicing. Just incredible performance from Northwestern. Boo Booey, I think, had 30 points. 30 on the dot, I think, yeah. 30 points. Yeah, Uh, big game for Boo Booey, for sure. They picked up the win. They're now 4-1 on the season with their only loss coming to Pittsburgh. Uh, Take that for what it's worth, but uh, certainly good performance from Northwestern. You know, I I think a lot of us were making a joke like, how's Northwestern getting below this game? Uh, because we see it in years past. Uh, I think 2018 they had like a 25 point lead on Michigan State and lost it, and they led last year against Michigan State and lost. But just they've stuck with it and they get the win in this one. Yeah, even this season they've blown leads like against Pittsburgh. They were up 10 late and blew that game. But Northwestern is really impressive in this one. Ty Berry, future star for or future star in college basketball. He's really good. Good freshman that can really shoot. Miller Cop only had six points, I believe. Their leading scorer coming into the game. But that's just a sign of how good this team can be. Pete Nance, the son of Larry Nance, looked really good. Uh, yeah, overall, I think Northwestern, I don't think they're a tournament team. I don't think they're going to be like in the conversation. I don't think they'll be on the bubble, but they're a team that always seems to win games like this. They just randomly win a game. And maybe it's something the program's starting to get better again after losing Big Law and Derek Pardon a few years ago, Brian McIntosh a while back after or before that. But they could be th- turning things around now. Yeah. And like I still don't think they're anything close to being an NCAA tournament team. Let me start by saying that, but like certainly turning the program back in a positive direction after what was an abysmal 2019-20 season, uh, getting go, getting off to a good start, getting an upset win against Michigan State. Now, obviously, uh, still going to go through just a brutal Big Ten schedule because even Northwestern, like, they're – their team, even if they're defending at home court, they're going to be underdogs. And pretty much, I'm looking at the rest of the schedule. Like, I think they'll probably be underdogs in every game, but maybe their last two games, because their last two games are Maryland and Nebraska at home. But I think every other game besides that, they'll be probably underdogs in. So, four and one starts good right now. I still think it's probably a team that will end the year with like six wins, but certainly a good win against Michigan State here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving on here, uh, staying in the Big Ten, Minnesota beats St. Louis, ends the Billikens' chances at a perfect season. Uh, Marcus Carr had 34 points. He's continuing to play. Uh, just outstanding basketball uh, on the season, played all 40 minutes uh, and hit, you know, didn't really do anything from three, only two of seven, but he's just fantastic. Uh, coming into the game, he was averaging 22.7 p- 
points per game. That's obviously going to go up. Uh, he's playing like an All-American. Yeah, Marcus Carr has taken one of the biggest uh, – what's the word I'm looking for? Biggest upswings of any player this season. But he was really good last year. He's an above-average player in college basketball. But now he's one of the true stars of college basketball. He's he could average 20, I don't know, two-plus a night compared to 16 last season. Booth Gotch has been really good this year. Then you look at Liam Robbins. He's been another good transfer addition for Richard Patino. I like this Minnesota team quite a bit. Isaiah Enan is a good glue guy. I think Minnesota should be an NCAA tournament team with the talent level that we've seen. Booth Gotch looks to be really good after struggling at Utah last season. I think Minnesota could be kind of dangerous. I think they could beat Iowa on Christmas at home. Yeah, and the one thing Minnesota's really done well is one game and being able to play all these non-conference games, but you know, the, they're 7-0 in games not played in the Big Ten. You want to make the NCAA tournament, you need to get up over 500 because I, I just don't see any way they put in team below 500 this year. So you start out 7-0 in non-league play that you you can't afford to go like 8-12 and in Big Ten play and still make the NCAA tournament. I think like that's that's what Minnesota has kind of done. It's built itself a little room for comfort that they could maybe even struggle a couple games in Big Ten and still end up going out on the right side of the bubble now. Obviously, next stretch of games, Iowa, Michigan State at Wisconsin, Ohio State at home, at Michigan, at Iowa, Michigan at home. Uh, that's from now until January 16th. So, Brutal stretch coming up, but Minnesota's off to a good start this season, and Marcus Carr is playing like an All-American. Yeah, definitely. This will be a dangerous team in the Big Ten, and I'd watch out for them in March, too. Yeah, and as for St. Louis, still think they were probably 1A slash 1B with it's them and Richmond for the Atlantic 10. I think those two teams are pretty clearly NCAA tournament teams going into league play so I think yeah they St. Louis lost this game but not really a big loss I think it's more on Minnesota winning than the story should be St. Louis losing yeah I definitely agree I think the A-10 is pretty good overall I like Richmond obviously I have Richmond a little bit ahead of St. Louis I'll probably put Richmond back in my top 15 this week while I have St. Louis top 20-ish so, but Richmond's a team I've been super high on for a long time. They, that's just going to stick with me until they prove otherwise. Their lone loss came to West Virginia on the road. That's probably a better loss if you want to consider a better loss a thing than what St. Louis just had. So, I just think they're both really good, though. And one team to watch out for, even though they don't have anything to do with uh, today's games, is St. Bonaventure. They could be a team that gets hot late in the season and wins the A-10 tournament and makes for a three-bit A-10. Yeah. I think Dayton had, Dayton and VCU have a chance to maybe get that third bid uh, if we're looking at at-large teams. Yeah, that's possible. Dayton picked tried. up two wins over SEC teams, so. Yeah. Uh, which 
in the college football playoff would be very important. But yeah, they got robbed big time. Yeah, put Dayton in the college football playoff. Oh, oh yeah, oh, I meant Cincinnati. Oops. Yeah. Oh well, same but, state, same area, close enough. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, going down to the state of Florida, Florida State. Uh, had its home court win streak snapped uh, by UCF. Kind of a game, like, played late on Saturday. No one's really paying attention. And all of a sudden, uh, I guess Florida State really wasn't paying attention because they lose the game uh, on their home court. Just can't can't do this if you're Florida State. It's, it's an ugly loss. Uh, just UCF's not really a great team per se. Uh, I thought the, the thing kind of stood out to me, MJ Walker was good, but Sky Barnes kind of went back to being not really aggressive Sky Barnes. Like, I think their best when Sky Barnes is like, I'm going to score, I'm going to try to be the best player on the court. And I think we had another game where he just kind of, was going through the motions, and that's that's not what I would want to see if I'm a Sky Barnes believer. Yeah, definitely. Scotty Barnes, that could be an issue with him this season. He needs to be aggressive. He needs to drive. He needs to facilitate. He needs to make plays happen for this Florida State team to be good. You and I were both pretty skeptical on Florida State. I'm not going to act like we're correct and we should take a victory lap, but this was part of our issue. They just didn't look great on offense on paper before the season. And at times we've seen it this year and other times they've looked like typical Leonard Hamilton teams where they can just step up. There's going to be a guy that has a big game and that's going to work. That didn't happen in this game. Brandon Mahan for UCF dropped 32 and the UCF went on the road to defeat Florida state. That's Florida state's first uh, non-conference home loss in like five years. So, Yeah. I, I think the bigger takeaway I would have from this is Florida State defensively just you can't allow 86 points to UCF. You can't That's allow 32 true. to Brandon May. Like you can sit here and say, well, you know, Sky Barnes should have been more aggressive on offense and MJ Walker's that good enough. Although he had 30, 22 in this game, so. You can sit here and say that, but at the end of the day, if you're giving up 86 to UCF, even if you have a good offensive game, uh, you still might lose that. So I, I think you need to work on the defense. I think they'll be, get better as the season goes along. Leonard Hamilton's a good coach. I trust them to get better defensively, but certainly not a good performance in this one. Yeah, good point. I think defensively, they need Raekwon Gray and Anthony Polite to be more, you know, aggressive, I guess. Those are both two elite defenders. They need they need them to be really good on the defensive end for this team to reach its full potential. But to count out a Leonard Hamilton team is just tough with how good they are. They don't need a star. They just need guys that can play together and they'll figure it out throughout the season. This is just this might this isn't the biggest upset, but this is the most surprising game of the season in my opinion. Yeah. At least from the weekend. I think like, there's been bigger upsets, but this was just kind of like, whoa, this, what was this? What what happened here? Yeah, like, like I, I like, biggest head-scratching loss. Yeah, like, I was like, all right, this is the last, it was the last game of the day on Saturday, 
I was like, all right, I'm going to watch the SEC championship game. I'll pay attention to the score just in case anything happens. And UCF, they went up early, I believe. And then Florida State came back, and I'm like, yeah, this game's probably over. And then in from, like, the 12 uh, under timeout and beyond, UCF just took over. Yeah. That is not just, something you see from Florida State usually. And we've seen them be down. Like, yeah. they were obviously, they were down against Florida early, 11-3. to Then what happened to Keontae Johnson happened. But they still came back regardless of that incident. But it's just crazy to see them play. And it's not like UCF is this really good team. Their best player, Colin Smith, opted out before the season. Yeah. And then they play Michigan. They lose by 22. Like, it. It's not like Michigan's here. Maybe, maybe they are juggernauts, but at least it doesn't seem like they're necessarily juggernauts. But they get demolished by Michigan. So, like, it's – I think UCF's a solid team. I think they'll probably be, like, contending for the NIT, but just There's a no head-scratching taco loss. Fall. They don't have a taco fall. There will never be another Taco Fall. They do have an Isaiah Adams, though, who looks like a star freshman. He had 22 points with eight rebounds. Super athletic, lanky wing who can be really good. He's he's definitely a name to watch in the AAC this season. I mean, I was very impressed by what I saw with him. Yeah. Uh, next game, oh, don't need to spend more than two seconds on this, but Wisconsin beat. Louisville by uh, they won 85 to 48. Uh, now obviously Louisville was playing without uh, this long list of players: Carlick Jones, Charles Minlin, Malik Williams, uh, Josh Nickelberry as well. That's four rotation players that you were counting on preseason. Now obviously you. You lost Malik Williams and Charles Menlin uh, before the season even started, but still not having them out there. I, look, with with this season, you're going to have games where you're not going to have your good players available. And if you go against a good team like Wisconsin, you're going to get beat. That's all. I, that's all there is to it. Yeah, there's multiple takeaways we can take from this game. Obviously, you and I were very high on both of these teams before the season. These are two teams you and I were super high on that a lot of people have, you know, their belief in them have faltered. Mine really hasn't. Just because if you look at this game, what, they lost by 45 or whatever, 35, 45. It doesn't matter. It's They lost by a lot, and it was bad. But 37. They were yeah, 37. They were without Carly Jones, who's their best player. They are without their best big man, Malik Williams, who they've been without all season, but, you know, still yeah. counts. He didn't play. He should be back in February or early March. So who knows if he even comes back? So that could be something. And then they were without, uh, not Samuel Williamson, they were without Charles Minland. So those are all yeah. things that matter. They're not going to be without Carly Jones long term. I'm get If you put the puzzle pieces together, he wasn't injured. And they just came off a COVID pause, so I'm guessing he probably had COVID, and he's probably still recovering from it. So if you put the breadcrumbs together, that's what you get to. So Carly Jones should be back for the Kentucky game, hopefully, so we'll see what happens there. 
But Louisville will be fine. They're still an NCAA tournament team, and Wisconsin is just really, really good. Yeah, and bad timing for Louisville as well to have a that being able to have all your players at having all your players at Wisconsin is tough in itself. Uh, just when you're saying okay, pregame, oh, Carly Jones not going to play that. You may as well just chalk that up as a loss. Yeah, I, you know, I figured it was going to be a big time loss. I didn't think it'd be 37, but they lost by a lot. So, yeah. that's all we got, I guess, on this one. All right. Uh, Creighton beat UConn. Uh, UConn's return to the Big East was going well for a while, and then. Uh, R.J. Cole misses two free throws late uh, to kind of, you know, big miss free throws. The team was up two. Damian Jefferson hits the game-tying basket, sends it to overtime, uh, and Creighton wins in overtime. James Booknight had 40. Oh, my God. Uh, Just an incredible performance from James Booknight, looking like a uh, legitimate first-team All-American uh, just an incredible performance here. Uh, outplayed Zagorowski, outplayed the entire Creighton team. Uh, now, would have been even better for him if UConn got the win, but certainly I think UConn shows they're a legit, legit team. And yeah, they lose this game. Probably would have liked to beat Creighton, but they'll play DePaul assuming DePaul can actually play. And, like, I still think UConn's a team that I would pick right now to finish third in the uh, Big East. Yeah, I like UConn a lot. I liked them a lot before the season. They need production from other guys. James Booknight having 40 of your seven, like, having 40 is great, but when your team has 74 and you have 40 of them, that's not great. They need R.J. Cole to be better than two for 13 from the field and miss free throws late. They need anything out of Tyrese Martin offensively. He had 10 boards, but he had two points. Isaiah Whaley had seven. And I don't know why Josh Carlton plays at all. He went from not playing at all the start of the year to having a good game against USC and now playing a lot. He needs to not play at all again and just start Adama Sanogo and play Andre Jackson. I like Andre Jackson a lot. He's a really good athlete. He's not going to do much offensively, but clearly Tyrese Martin hasn't done much offensively either. So might as well put a really good athlete with Jackson out there, and he can do exactly what Tyrese Martin is doing. So if you do that, I think, I mean, you know, I think UConn's a good team, really good team. But Creighton, here's my question about Creighton to you. So are are you concerned about Marcus Zagorowski is the first question. And second question if Zagorowski plays like this consistently, having going four for 14, one for eight from three, and he struggled from three for most of the season, that's not a new thing this season. He's really struggled for most of it. He's had a couple good games, but he's been off a lot of games, like against Kansas. He was off from three, too. So if he continues to play like this, where would you say Creighton's ceiling is? Um, I still think the ceiling at the – like, I think – even with this type of play, I still think they can finish second in the Big East, but part of that is the Big East is just not super talented past Villanova and Creighton. And I, I still do like 
the pieces Creighton has over what a lot of other teams have. But, like, NCAA tournament-wise, I think if Zagorowski isn't playing at that high of a level, I don't think they're a Final Four contender or anything like that. Like, I think they need Zagorowski to be – he hasn't even been what he was last season. Now, obviously, coming off an injury wasn't exactly ideal for Marcus Zagorowski, but I think the team is good. It's just – Zagorowski hasn't been himself. Mitch Ballack hasn't been shooting threes. I I still think Creighton's going to get to that point where you're going to get player of the year contender Marcus Zagorowski. Like, he's going to, at the end of the day, I think, wind up contending for an All-American list. Uh, Mitch Ballack is going to make some shots. Denzel Mahoney... Damian Jefferson, Christian Bishop are, you know, playing pretty well. Uh, that Ryan Kalkbrenner, uh, after playing, just being terrible for a few games, is starting to kind of turn the corner. I wouldn't say he's great, but he's playing better. So I think you look at Creighton, they sneak out with this win. That's important if they're – Obviously, not going to be a great defensive team. If they can just get Zagorowski and Ballot to revert kind of to what we thought they would be, I think they're fine, but they they certainly got to get better. Yeah, definitely. I guess you're right about the injury. Zagorowski had offseason meniscus surgery, I believe, for those of you that did not know. So maybe that's just part of it. He's recovering still, possibly. Maybe he didn't practice a lot in the offseason. Obviously, as a team, they couldn't because of COVID. So maybe it's just the way everything is right now. I think he could get back to what he was last season. But we got to remember, this guy, and shout out to, uh, I believe Brian Ralph said it on Twitter. It's one of the guys from The Rock in 25. I believe it was him. But uh, he said that losing Tyshawn Alexander may have been a lot more important than like people would have thought. And he's right, because that was their best defender. And I feel like everybody is kind of like, ah, he's a good player, but they can figure it out. They've struggled on defense a fair amount at times. Then they lost their best defender, and I feel like nobody really talked about it. So that could be something, too. Yeah, I I think it was talked about, like, before Alexander left, I think people were like, ooh, this is a Final Four, this is a Final Four lock, this Creighton the number one team in the preseason, uh, as crazy as those things sound now, I think yeah. I think people talked about Tyshawn Alexander leaving as kind of like, oh, he's turned down a chance to do something at Creighton that no one has ever done before. Uh, uh-huh. But I still think people thought the baseline of this rotation is good, and I still think it is good. Uh, you just haven't gotten the same Zagorowski and the same uh, Mitch Ballack thus far. The defense was never going to be great. Uh, it's kind of like with Iowa. The defense isn't going to be fantastic or anything like that, but they're going to make enough shots. Uh, I think at some point they will make enough shots to be able to contend, uh, make a second weekend run, something like that. Yeah, definitely I agree. This is a team that will get better throughout the season. 
Zagorowski won't play like this every game. He he looked visibly upset at himself at times, so he knows he's not playing well. He he'll figure it out. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Western Kentucky they beat Alabama. Uh, crazy sequence at the end of the game. The announcers didn't know what was going on. As a result. <laughs> Most of the viewers don't didn't even know what was going on. Western Kentucky is celebrating. They just won the game. Oh, oh wait, that we're going to overtime. Oh wait, Western Kentucky actually won. It was a goaltend. I thought it, the refs or the announcer thought it was a shot clock violation. No one knows what happened, but Western Kentucky gets the win. Uh, crazy sequence led to it, but impressive 40 minutes just to put themselves in position and now it's a western kentucky team that entering into conference usa play they're six and two they don't have any bad losses uh their two losses at louisville not a bad loss quadrant one loss yeah quadrant one loss yeah quadrant one a losses they have a quadrant one win at alabama now, obviously, Conference USA play, they need to take care of business. Um, I don't really see a team that can challenge them in Conference USA play. So if they can take care of business, just they know they're the better team. They have the more talent. Take care of business. Uh, maybe you slip off against, like, North Texas or something like that. But they can take care of business, Conference USA play. Western Kentucky's in position to get an at-large bid. Yeah, I had Western Kentucky ranked 25th in my final preseason poll for the Rockin' 25 poll. I had them ranked 25th. This is a team I've liked a lot, Charles Bassey. He, I think he's realized that shooting threes is not his game, so he stopped doing it, which is good. But that is an issue for this team. They can't shoot. Luke Frampton is the only shooter on the team. Nobody else is a good shooter. Carson Williams can shoot it, and he's shooting like 40%. He shot like eight of them. So that's not much of a sample. Western Kentucky needs to figure out the shooting. They need to figure out the point guard play because Kenny Cooper has been a disaster. Davion McKnight's been up and down as a freshman. Uh, jo- uh, Jordan Rawls had a good game against Alabama, so maybe that'll get him going. He'll probably see himself in the starting lineup from here on out, I would assume. Western Kentucky is a really good team, but if there's one team in Conference USA that I could see knocking them off is Marshall, just because of the way they play. Dan D'Antoni, the brother of Mike D'Antoni, longtime NBA coach, obviously, plays a super fast pace just like his brother did at uh, with the Phoenix Suns in the mid-2000s, did it with the Rockets. This is a team that's pretty solid. They have Tavion Kinsey, super good athlete. He had like a 35-point game a few weeks ago, really talented player. This Marshall team is a team that could surprise people. They could knock off Western Kentucky. I don't think they will, but they could definitely surprise them. Yeah. I just think, end of the day, Charles Vassey is really figure out, hey, I'm bigger, more physical, more gifted than all these other players that I'm going against. I'm going to show that. And I think that's been huge for Western Kentucky. Yeah, absolutely. This is a team you don't want to face in March. All right, moving on. Texas takes care of Oklahoma State. Uh, a close game, so I guess that really – taking care of too much, 77-74. Good win for Texas. Kate Cunningham continued to play well, but just end of the day, not enough from 
his teammates. I think that's becoming a common trend in the games Oklahoma State loses. Uh, that they haven't gotten really any consistent uh, play from the other guys. They've had people step up, but not consistently enough, uh, not reliably enough, and uh, tough loss for Oklahoma State as they lose to Texas, who had a good game from Greg Brown and Andrew Jones. Yeah, this was Greg Brown's real breakout game in college basketball, 24-14. and 14. That's my biggest takeaway from this game because Greg Brown coming into the game was shooting a disastrous 39% from the field and 22% from three on just about 30 attempts. He looked like he was hit the freshman wall really early. And in this game, he looked tremendous. He, he had three threes, seven for 14 from the field, snagged 14 boards. Late in that game, he had three or four really big rebounds. And nobody was getting the rebound over. He was taking those down. They were a man rebound. And he had a couple block shots late, too, that were big. He's a really good defender. He's a guy that will only get better for this Texas team throughout the season, kind of like Jackson Hayes a few years ago, even though I think Greg Brown is better, uh, at least in college. And I think that'll be a big thing for Texas this year. This Texas team is really good still. Andrew Jones had, a, I believe, is a career-high 22 and Courtney Ramey had zero points and fouled out. He was their second leading scorer coming into the game. They won by three. He fouled out and had zero points. Yeah. And I think Texas is kind of deep. They have a lot. Of, and kind of what ended up being the difference in this game is Texas had like three or four players that you can rely on to give you consistent production. Oklahoma State just has Cade Cunningham at this point. Uh, and they had a good Andrew Jones game. They had a good Greg Brown game. Uh, and Matt Coleman's doing Matt Coleman things. If you get that consistently, Texas is just dangerous. That is what it is. And, you know, I think we kind of know what Texas is. They're a good basketball team. I don't know if they're a Big 12 title contending team, but they're, they're a good basketball team. Well, what we know is Texas is back. And for Oklahoma State, Avery Anderson had a really good first half. He didn't do much in the second half, I believe. Donovan Williams, or Donovan Williams. That's his name, right? No, that's not right. That's a Texas guy. What's this guy's name? Bryce Williams. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I knew that. Former Oklahoma Ole State Miss does star. have a Donovan Williams, though. They do. I, see, I knew there's a – he's a freshman. Yeah, but he yeah, didn't so, play. Yeah, Bryce Williams hit two late threes, so – he went from seven points to 13 points, but he he could be a guy that matters later in the season if he can shoot like that every game. He shot 44% from deep at Ole Miss last season, so he's a guy you could keep an eye on, but they need more production from somebody not named Cade Cunningham to win games like this. Yeah, and I would say likely needs to step up. He was kind of the guy you're like, okay, well, Cade's superstar likely's the Robin to Cade's Batman, and thus far, uh, Robin is not showing up. Yeah, that's the thing about Likely. He's more of, like, a glue guy than, like, a really elite scorer. I mean, is shooting he's shooting 37% from three this year. He's shot eight of them. He's a historically pretty terrible shooter, and that'll probably continue. He's a really good athlete. He's a good facilitator, good defender. I think he's a good player, but I don't think that's a guy you want as your second scoring option, and that's what they have right now, and that's a problem. Well, I think the thing is, like, he's not playing – like, the first month of last season, he was, like, averaging, like, 22 points per game, seven assists, like, 
he's playing outstanding. And like, where where's that guy going? He's he's just so one dimensional that it's easy to game plan for him because he's gonna drive. He can't really shoot from the mid range. He's bad at that too. He can't shoot from three, so he's going to drive on you. So that's yeah. you have to stop that. And when you have a one dimensional guy like that, it's easy to stop. Especially when you have no shooting around you. Yeah, that too. And that's, I think, the bigger issues. There's just not a lot of floor spacing. Like, Cade Cunningham operates in the paint. Isaac Likely operates in the paint. Uh, Rondell Walker, Ferran Flavors are, like, the two shooters. Uh, but and they played a combined they, 19 minutes and made zero threes. Yeah. Ferran Flavors has done absolutely nothing this season. He, yeah, yeah. He, he shot 43% from deep last year. He's shooting 26% this year. Got to hate shots. Oklahoma State just as it. Yep. Uh, so, more impressive game winner. Was it A.J. Reeves in the corner? Or Adam Kunkel uh, running back, step back three? Uh, which was the more impressive play? Adam Kunkel. Definitely. Yeah, I think that's pretty clearly the correct answer. Good play by E.J. Reeves, a solid win for Providence. And then Marquette, they think they have it, four-point play. Uh, they get the stop on uh, Paul Scruggs, and I'm Uncle just says, I'm going to go back, uh, chuck up a three, and splash it goes, Xavier wins. Yeah, it was a very good shot. Xavier is now eight and zero on this. No, seven and zero on the season. Nine and zero. They're nine and zero. They're nine and zero. Wow. Well, I was a little unprepared there. I thought they were eight and zero off the top of my head, and then I was like, no, they're seven and zero, but they're nine and zero. I'm gonna assume that's the best record in college basketball. Obviously, they're not the best team in college basketball, but they should be ranked in the upcoming AP poll. They may or may not. Paul Scruggs is a legitimate star in college basketball as a senior. Zach Fremantle's right up there with him. Adam Kunkel had a huge game. Transferred from Belmont, sharpshooter, really good player. There's a lot to like with the Xavier team. They're definitely an NCAA tournament level team. They could be third in the Big East. Travis Steele has done a good job getting that program back to where it was in the Chris Mack days. Yeah. And look, I still want to see them. Like, I think with Travis Steele, we've seen kind of in Big East play, he his team takes a step back. I want to see how they do in Big East play. Do they continue to play like this? Uh, we don't know. But they've got a tough three-game stretch coming up. Uh, Wednesday, we'll talk about this later. They play at Creighton. Uh, they play Seton Hall and Villanova before this second of 2021. If you can get past that three-game stretch in two and one, We'll probably start talking about Xavier as being like a legit second best team in the Big East. It's, but that's going to be the stretch I think that kind of decides where we think Xavier's heading. Yeah, I agree. There's still a lot to be seen with this team. Yeah. So moving on here, uh, it's pick time. Uh, we're going to start off Texas Tech at Oklahoma. This is on Tuesday night. Uh, certainly going to be a fun one. Uh, Haslametrics has Texas Tech projected to win by four. Uh, 
who's your pick here and what's what's your thoughts on projected spread of four Oklahoma wins I think so obviously I think you should take them I think they aren't a better team when it comes down to it late in the season but I think right now they're a better team Texas Tech's offense is a disaster right now Mac McClung's inefficient but he shoots the ball a lot he scores but besides him, they have Terrence Shannon, who also can score, but they don't really have anything else, and that's going to be a problem. They can lock down anybody, but Oklahoma has a lot of solid scores with Austin Reeves, Brady Manick. They've gotten production from Davion Harmon, Alondis Williams a lot this season. Kawar Kuwait is a good scorer inside. Umoja Gibson, the transfer from North Texas, has had a pretty good year. And then Elijah Harkless, the transfer from Cal State Northridge, he's a guy that can fill it up a little bit, too. He hasn't done much in his one game this year, but I think that Oklahoma will prevail and win at home against Texas Tech. Yeah, I think four-point spread, I would take Oklahoma with the spread. I just think this is going to be another nail-biter, I think, for Texas Tech fans. Like, it's going to be down to the wire. Uh, And I kind of trust Austin Reeves late a little more than I trust Mac McClung to make plays. Uh, But... I'll take Oklahoma with the spread, and I guess I'll take them to win the game as well. Yep, 100% agree. Take both, same. Uh, West Virginia at Kansas. Uh, West Virginia should have played a lot better than they did uh, against Iowa State. uh, Yeah. Can't have that performance against Kansas. I'll take Kansas to win at home. I just think... uh, Having to travel kind of across countries kind of tough for West Virginia. And, uh, yeah, there won't be the same amount of fans, but West Virginia's had issues close out games in Allen Fieldhouse in the past. Uh, they've blown multiple double-digit leads. I think Kansas takes care of business at home uh, wins this game. They're projected to win by four. I think they probably... I'll say they win by a little bit more than four. I think they'll make free throws late. So give me Kansas to win and cover. I think West Virginia pulls off the upset and wins this game. I'm big on Kansas. I'm big on West Virginia. I think West Virginia wins this game just because David McCormick's been a complete disaster this season. And West Virginia has three elite defensive big men with Oscar Sheboy, Gabe Osaboyan, and Derek Culver. And Derek Culver has been sneakily one of the best players in the country this season. He's went from a really solid contributor to really, really good. He has 14.5 points this year per game, 10 rebounds per game, and a block shot a game. He's a really good player who will continue to be good in this one. Then Miles McBride, Miles McBuckets, obviously, has been tremendous. And I believe somebody on your Twitter said... I thought that was actually his last name. I thought that was kind of hilarious. But Taz Sherman, really good player. Uh, They need him to make shots. He didn't do that against Iowa State. And Sean McNeil had a classic Sean McNeil game. He had two points against Iowa State. He's another one of those guys that is regarded as a shooter but doesn't make them that much. He needs to make shots for them to win this game. I think he could, and I think West Virginia will win. Okay, bold upset pick of the day. Next game, San Diego State favored by two and a half against St. Mary's. Do they go on the road and pick up the upset? Yes, I think San Diego State can go and beat St. Mary's. 
I think that St. Mary's has surprised me quite a bit. Tommy Cousy, former walk-on, has been really good this season. Uh, first team West Coast Conference player. They have 10 players on that list, but he'll make it. Matthias Toss is a really good player. Then you look at guys like Lemmett Bockler and Alex Dukas, two guys that can really shoot the ball. So that'll be a big thing for St. Mary's in this one. But I like I know that San Diego State lost at home to BYU, but they showed a lot of fight in that game. Matt Mitchell was absolutely incredible. Jordan Shackle had three points in the game, I believe. He can't do that again. If Mitchell can perform at a somewhat high level again and Shackle does anything, San Diego State should win this game. Yeah, I'll take San Diego State as well as the favorite. I said they were the underdogs. They are the favorite. Uh, yeah, I think they'll win. Uh, and rule rule of thumb, if it's the spread is within three, take the team you think is going to win. I'm going to take uh, San Diego State to win on the road. Uh, the next game, NC State uh, will host North Carolina. Uh, Haslametrics has NC State as four-point favorites. I will take North Carolina. I've seen this story time and time again. Jeez. NC State is like, oh, we've got a home game against North Carolina. We're finally going to prove that we're back. And you know how this goes. North Carolina wins every time. Uh, so yeah, UNC yeah, UNC will win this game. I can't believe that they might be actually underdogs. Uh, take that for sure. Take them to win easily. Uh, yeah, I think they're a better team. Cam Hayes was out for their last game. DJ Funderburk was out for their last game against, uh, I don't even remember who they played. But they, it was, no, they played Campbell. They, they were out against, St. Louis, they were out for that game too. They were out against St. Louis and Campbell. And they lost against St. Louis. They were shorthanded, so that was interesting. But I think that UNC is just better overall, even if they have Funderburk and Hayes. I think they'll lose to North Carolina at home. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Wednesday, slate of games. We've got four games on Wednesday as well. Uh, Xavier will play at Creighton. Uh, where's that at here? Oh, yes. Uh, Creighton is favored by five and a half, 78 to 72 and a half point. Uh, I'll take Creighton to win at home. Uh, I think Xavier's playing just a bit too well. I think I kind of just see a letdown spot, so I'll take Creighton to win uh, this game in what should be a big game. I think Creighton shows up and picks up the win. Yeah, I think Creighton wins, too. I think they'll probably win by more than the five and a half, maybe like six or seven. So I would take that, too. I think Creighton, Marcus Zagorowski will improve throughout the season. I think this could be the game for it. Christian Bishop should play a big role. He's more athletic than Zach Fremantle, but not as strong. So that'll be a fun matchup to watch. Adam Kunkel, they need to let that man shoot the ball a lot because he can really do it. And I, or For Xavier, they need to do that. But I think Creighton is going to win this game overall. Okay, moving on. We've got Rutgers as three-point underdogs. Uh, they play at Ohio State. Uh, Rutgers hasn't won traditionally games away from the rack in the past. That's changing this year. Rutgers picks up the win against Ohio State. Rutgers wins easily on the road against Ohio State. 
And if we think they win, they'll cover. Illinois will play at Penn State. They enter into this game as three-point favorites. Uh, Certainly no guarantee they win that one. Uh, I'm going to take Illinois to win on the road. I just think they're they're too good of a team to be five and three. I think they'll they're just bound to pick up one of these big wins. Yeah, I, I just don't see a way that Illinois ends up being a four loss team this early in the season. It just seems impossible to me. I think that Penn State is a sneaky team that people shouldn't sleep on. But I think that Illinois will win this game. All right, moving forward, Villanova will be one-and-a-half-point favorites playing at Marquette. I will take Villanova to win on the road. I just, it's hard to trust Marquette to – like, I just don't trust that they're quite at Villanova's level, so I'll take Villanova to win um, what's projected to be a close game. Yeah, I agree. I think Villanova is the better team overall. They're always a tough team to play, and I think they will win. All right, last one here. Oregon will host UCLA as seven-point favorites, according to Haslametrics.com. I assume you're going with Oregon to win the game, uh, but I'll take UCLA to cover. Yeah, I agree. Oregon wins. UCLA covers a seven. All right. That will wrap it up for this edition of Making the Madness podcast. Make sure to subscribe, Apple Podcasts, uh, YouTube, anywhere you can find us. Uh, And until next time, uh, we'll be back with some more uh, fun college basketball uh, because we got another good week of games, good weekend next weekend. So it should be fun.